gathered together from the cosmic reaches of the universe, here in this great hall of justice are the most powerful forces of good ever assembled. Dedicated to truth, justice, and peace for all mankind. Uh, well, first, I'm late for everything. Uh, uh, you know, there'll be days where I'm tired. If you guys ever hear me complain about my job, slap me. They won't, they won't they physically slap me because I have worked some really, you know, I've worked, you know, jobs that I wasn't happy with, and I know there's people out there who work a lot harder, you know, physically than I do, so I'm very, very blessed. So I, I, I never want to complain about it. But that's really what the key is. I mean, I, I, I get up early and, and, and I start work early and I work, what, what are you doing up at two or three in the morning? Like, yeah, what am I doing up? It just, the time just goes by. I, I, I'm, so that's the only way I can tell you that I manage it. And depending on who you talk to, I don't manage it very well sometimes. But, uh, but I just, you know, it just, it becomes easier. Time, and time just flies, you know, when you're doing it. Well, if you're, if you're feeling at all tired, I can, I can give you some red. Sugar-free. We're starting off as a creator, and then immediately jumped into this role of a co-publisher. What did you learn from Event Comics that eventually would help you later as the editor-in-chief of Marvel? Oh my God, there was so much. I mean, there were so many things along the way that, that, that helped. Um, you know, before Jimmy and I, Jim Pagani and I started, um, we decided to put our money where our mouth was and start a publishing company. And, and uh, uh, considering how much press we've gotten as a company. Uh, people were always surprised to find out that there was only three of us in the entire company. It was Jimmy, myself, I have a friend that publisher, Roy Pratt. But we, we learned, obviously, the, you know, how you make the sausage, right? The physical making of the comic books. We knew some of that, right? But, but for, from our extent, from the, from the artist's point of view, you hand in your paper and, and you get told kind of along the way what's happening, but then suddenly it's a comic book. And you don't really realize all the, the, the the, the pushing and pulling that editors have to do to get it just right, and then how you have to, uh, you know, uh, collaborate and compromise along the way with other creators so that everybody can get a piece of their vision in as much as possible. It's an incredibly collaborative meeting, right? Because you know, there, there are some more in our business, but, but very few, right? So just because of the, the weekly and monthly churn conference. So we learned a lot um, And the thing that, and then we also learned what we were really good at, too, which was uh, just relationship with people. And, and, uh, and treating people fairly, but I think that comes from us being on the other side of the table and, and, and sort of just treating people the same way that we want to be treated as creators. And I think that can really service really, really well, both of us in a long way. You know, Jim's taking a different path than I think. But I think those lessons uh, have, have helped our career tremendously as a person here. Now, let me just go back to something you just said, something about relationships. It meant everything, and and I'll, I'll never forget the fateful meeting that, that Jimmy and I had uh, with then President Marvel, so many Joey Calamari, we saw Joey Squid, and you guys call Joey Squid, and excuse me, and Joe sat there and he said, I, I don't get it. How do you guys manage your three-person company? I can't imagine you have any marketing budget. How do you get so much press? And in the back of our minds, we're thinking about these insane parties that we would throw. Uh, they were just fun for us, but people would come on down. I can't tell you how often I've heard, long after the fact, that that bar that you got on, 
no, we didn't own the bar. <laughs> it just loved us at this bar. It was a great place. And, uh, but we threw, we threw parties that you could not throw today. Uh, you just couldn't do it. It's too uh, much photography today. We just, 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 the, the, you know, we, we had, uh, Nelson's here, I'm going to tell a great story for you. It was for your birthday. Uh, you're taking the fifth. Uh, just a little inside baseball, but we all love Nelson, and, and Nelson, Nelson was part of that crew. Uh, and uh, just to torture him on his birthday, we hired a mine. And, and the mine was to, his strict orders was to do everything that Nelson did. <laughs> So everywhere Nelson went to the bar, if he went to the bar and grabbed the string, the mind would grab him, and he just mimicked Nelson the entire time. So he infuriated Nelson for like the first hour, and then after that, he said, screw it, not going to screw the mind. And then Nelson started doing really obscene stuff in like the streets, and, and I'll let him tell that story off the record later. Uh, but, but it was those kind of things, you know, and then, then we'll, you know, if it, we usually surrounded around somebody's birthday or a holiday or something. I think it was for, for Amanda Connor's birthday. Uh, we, I mean, again, this is, a, this is a tavern with nine foot ceilings, maybe eight foot. I mean, it was well, right? We hired a fire breather to come in, uh, um, a poodle act, you know, so it was just like, the, like poodles jumping through rings. And, and, uh, and, it, and it would get, there were none of your things that I just can't get away. No, it's not, it's not, uh, there's children in the audience who can't talk about it. Oh, there was the electric chair. We got the electric chair. That, that Nelson, uh, it, was, it was a big problem. Uh, Magic Circle Tavern for Dabber, and we sat Nelson in the electric chair. He didn't know that there was a dry cell battery attached to it. <laughs> <laughs> so so it, was that, it, was, it was kind of like a carnival kind of atmosphere. It was a lot of fun. And people, and, but we weren't necessarily doing it as marketing. We were just doing it because it's fun. You know, it's a, it's a great art community. Marvel's right. So, so there's constant artists coming in and out of town, and they were all centered around there. And then, but then we, it turned out that we got marketing out of that, you know, and, and, and people just like us. And, and you know, you guys have money, we'll just do this for you. You know, thanks for the good time. So, what is that kind of stuff? You know? Yeah, and I remember then as Marvel Nights is coming up, it became Marvel Nights parties, right? Yeah. So, the Marvel Knights. But Marvel had no budget at all. Um, so, as we go to conventions, those Marvel Knight parties that we throw, like, like, you know, the, there's a Marvel party tomorrow and there's a convention party tonight. Marvel had no budget. So, we would throw the parties. We would just say, sure, out of our own pocket, we're just going to do this. You know? And uh, again, that, that, it, but that's, that was just always the approach. Now, in a relatively short amount of time, because I'm, I'm glad you brought that up. Um, one of the reasons Marvel had no money was because as you were there, Marvel was in Chapter 11. Documented. It's very interesting to note that later Marvel was like Disney, and Disney's size now again, $92.45. So, you know, it was a pretty dark time when you joined. What was actually scary at that time was that the comic industry, if you weren't reading or, or, or selling comics at the time, or publishing comics at the time, it's hard to sort of grasp this, but the comic book industry, and this started before we offered the Marvel Knights, every month, and you were a business, you saw this happen too, every month, sales were going low, and low, and low, and I remember being up at Marvel and, and, and some editor saying, you know, I think we should have a lot, and then the next month it's low. Now as an Indian publisher, it was killing me too, right, because as Marvel goes, I really feel like so goes Right. Uh, and sales were just dropping like a stone, and, and retailers were going 
out of business and left and right. And it's interesting, we're all sitting there going, are we even going to be able to publish comments anymore? Uh, and from a artist perspective, we're sitting there going, I don't know what else to do. <laughs> you know, uh, I have to go and you know find a day job and learn another skill. Uh, so there, there was a, that was, I think, just sort of the, I think it was an all-encompassing fear throughout the industry. Where is this? When is when is the, where is the bottom? And how can because once you hit bottom, you look behind you. Uh, and I think it started to stabilize a little bit um, sometime after Marvel Knights had, had started. That's the number of reasons it stabilized, but, but things started to get a little bit more stable uh, and Marvel Knights had to plan. So I, I can't say I was really afraid about anything, but, but other than just the issue. But with respect to what excited me, what's not to be excited about? It's like, it's like, wow, okay, we, you know, we came in and we asked for four characters and now we're being allowed to you know, destroy the childhoods of everything. <laughs> <laughs> Those initial three, four, five years, everything was a game. Everything, you know, it was the Wild West. And I think the, I think the, 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 the biggest one was the Buffalo universe. That was, that was the one, I think, that really turned things around. Because, uh, there you go, thank you. Uh, because nobody, I mean, I There was no idea, no, before it even came out, there was more revival than the idea of relaunching Spider-Man in this whole movie. I mean, it was just, when the book came out, everybody, everybody knew it was a <laughs> So, uh, but that was a big one. That was a big one. I mean, it, it, was, um, it was a big gamble for us you know, to try to do this, but I think it paved the way for uh, not only the cinematic uh, but the, the, the tone of the, the, the regular Marvel Universe moving forward just showed what was possible and, and what fans really, really wanted and can accept and, and how we would revitalize these characters. Uh, maybe hiring Brian Henderson. And that was an example. Actually, it wasn't an evident hire either. I mean, that was, if you guys remember, he was coming off of uh, Goldfish and then he did the Sand and Twitch, and then you brought him on. I mean, it was not an heir apparent to take over Spider Man. Yeah. So that you had, and I think it goes to you as a creator, you were not just someone who had drawn other people's books, you'd written your own. Um, how did that give you uh, a, a sense of storytelling when you came into Marvel that maybe had, maybe even lost the, frigged away the entire industry? We were not in good times. Yeah, I, I, you know, I, I think it, it's just a matter of uh, learning your craft. Learn your craft. You know, as, as I as I delve, even today, I said delve into different media, right? So I'm, I'm in the television world. I've never done television before this. I spend a lot of time asking questions and trying to learn the craft of television uh, as best I can. But it was the same thing with with, with comics. Um, let's try the questions. <laughs> well, your background as a creator, right. and not just as an artist, right? You were the first major uh, editor in chief. As the yeah. illustrator, and who's identified mostly as a penciler, not as a people you know, right. So, right. so yeah, it, it has to do with learning craft. And I think knowing your craft helps you identify creators that don't work You know, there, there's a, I forget what the actual science of it is, but you know, there, there's, there's that theorem that it, 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 obviously, in order to do a job incredibly well, you have to master how to do that job. In order to know that the job is done poorly, 
you also have to be a master of the job because then you really don't know, right? You're, you're kind of too dumb to know that you're dumb at something, right? Um, that's a dumb thing. Is that what it is? People are too stupid to know that they're saying you do it. But so so I, I again I, I really I, I pride myself as best as possible to you know I did start out as a writer but I went out there and, 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 I, and I tried to learn as much about writing as I possibly can uh, because you know I can certainly never write as well as Brian can but I'm able to identify it like somebody who's like oh this is a guy that can really really cut it in our, in our business uh, and you know you never write 100 percent of the time but if you're right more often than not then successful publishing business. And for me, it all started with the writing. That was the other thing. It's, it's, as much as, you know, again, I cited the artist side of things. Uh, as an artist, I did not want to draw stories that were not well written. There's nothing, there's no worse fate in life than to draw a crappy story. Crappy, crappy story. So I always gravitated towards strong writing. But then if you have strong writing, everything else will follow. You get prisons. And there was a buzz amongst us journalists and your fan press that you were going to make image New York City, right? In, because you were coming as an artist, and yet you turned Marvel to be much more writer-focused, yep. and it seemed to turn the tide in the right direction to where we are today. It was, it was everything. It was really, really everything. Because I know there's an argument as to what sells a comic, great art or great story. Back to the collector's book, right? Where everybody got rich. It was all about the art. Nobody cared about the story because 70% of those books were never written. They were never taken out of a plastic bag. It was all about who is the artist. And, and by the way, that did form, but they were great for image guys. They were, they were at the right place, right time, especially for art, great energy. As we're rebuilding the business, that's not what's going to sell books. What's going to sell books are the stories that, that, that when you get to the last page, damn, I got to pick up the next one. Uh, if we could do that, I would argue that at that time you could you could you could build a tremendous business uh, without superstar artists. You could build a tremendous business with guys who are solid, great storytellers, as long as you have incredible writers. And I think that proved to be really really true. Sure. Even to this day, right now, everybody talks about to improve our publishing business. We have to make our stories better. We have to get down to the that's the way we operate, that day of the superstar artist. While there are artists that do drive the business somewhat, mm -hmm. it's nothing compared to those days where you could put, you know, superstar artist number two on a book, number three on another book, and it's guaranteed to sell. And literally, there could be no words in that book. Take this at my red bull. <laughs> <laughs> we sponsored sponsor in the back. Where's the red bull girls? Where's my weights team? Yeah, they're giving out free red bulls. So nice. Yeah. In that case, I need to get you need another Red Bull? I have a couple more. Just, just. I remember Tommy Falco in my office. I was at the job for about a week. He my office. Now, Tommy had been the editor in chief. Uh, there, was, there was Bob Harris, who was, who was the editor prior to me, but Tom was prior to And he came in and he said, uh, Can I give you one piece of unsolicited advice? I'm like, Give me as much as you want. I said, To do this job, don't have a board back, Joe. Quit right now. Tell me. It's not going to be helping you. And I'm like, I got it. You know, I got it. And um, I, I, I accept it. I mean, it, it, it becomes, because I know it's not personal. Even when people say, you know, 
uh, Joe hates, Joe hates, you know, uh, yes, but Joe hates fire. Really, I do not, <laughs> uh, and I know that, right? So, so I, I don't, I don't take it seriously. I, I because you know, I, I've often said it's on the internet or just the fandom in general. Fans treat our characters like they're three-dimensional walking human beings who can probably walk through the door right now, but they treat editors, creators, everyone else as though we are two-dimensional comic book characters. In some cases, twirling mustache. But you know what? That's actually cool. That's actually okay because it just means that we're doing a really good job of making those two-dimensional characters real. Um, but but I but I I fully accept it. Absolutely. I mean, it's, it's, it it doesn't. Um, it gets it gets a little crazy when it's completely unwarranted and it's based on you know fabricated rumors that are out there and, and uh, that gets frustrating. But ultimately, I knew that that came with the job. Absolutely came with the job. So I don't take any of it. Uh, you know, the stuff that really keeps me up at night is if I know a creator's at happy or a friend is at happy. That's the stuff that really bothers me because that affects me and my world and, and sort of my worldview of how to do business and how to how to treat people. You know, so um, I don't I don't. Uh, and look, when I started as energy, the first thing I said was I'm gonna I'm gonna use this to my to my best interest. I this you know, family's been very very quiet. Let's stir it up a little bit, and I I, I kind of take you know create this. Uh, this wrestling persona, you know, that, to go out there and just, just say things. And a lot of it was very calculated just to get Marvel fans riled up, or they more importantly get DC fans riled up. <laughs> and, uh, but because I love that rivalry, I love the idea that there's Marvel fans and DC fans in there, some people in between, but that, they're like, no, we're better, no, we're better. That's so healthy, I think, comics in a lot of ways, because it drives units and it has it gets people talking about their characters and why a certain writer is better than another writer, why a certain character is stronger than another. That's all that's what comics is about, you know. And, and, and so I was happy to maybe stir that on a little bit. So some of it was intentional and brought on, uh, you know, by, by, by my own stupidity. <laughs> I, I would imagine that this is part of your upbringing uh, in the New York area. Uh, to be a little bit tough, to stir things up a little bit. How does this play internationally and globally? I mean, you know, the personality here, everybody gets the jokes. Yeah. You go sometimes to different places and they just, they're not getting it. Um, you, you have to make shifts to that. It depends on where you go. It really depends on where you go. But I think a lot of people get it more. Or if they don't, uh, I've had a lot of people like meet you personally go, well, you're really not an asshole, are you? Like, <laughs> Uh, no, 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 I just, I just play one on the internet. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, no, it's, 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 it's been, it's been, it's, it hasn't been an issue, you know, in that sense. Let's go back to something you said a little bit earlier about your toolbox. I, I noticed, uh, at least in your um, photos that you posted online, that you, you started to shift from straight pencil and paper uh, onto, I think, a Wacom, right? Onto a Wacom. Uh, why would somebody, like, go and, you know, Experiment with this new medium. You're, you're a master of the page. Right. Why would you start to experiment there? Is do you see this as the new direction that, that many great because a lot of the people here are here for because they're aspiring creators. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, I mean I I, I love adopting look I, I studied I didn't go to I went to an art school, I didn't go there to be a comic artist. It wasn't my major, my major was illustration. Uh, I actually took two comic courses on the other one. Uh, so I, I kid you not, <laughs> I feel Blue Eyes and I feel Harvey Christmas House. Uh, just because I didn't hand in my final projects, I just wasn't interested in doing comics at the time. 
But as a professional illustrator, or, or aspiring professional illustrator, hey man, whatever makes the work better, whatever makes the work uh, faster, or allows you to use certain techniques that you can't do physically, uh, or, or, or new techniques to come in, um, I, I just want to try whatever works. And, and I started experimenting with digital, uh, and I found that it just it allows me to do certain things um, either faster, or if it doesn't allow me to do it faster, it allows me to do it uh, more accurately than I normally could. Uh, and I, again, I think my job as, a, as an artist is to provide the, the, the best art I'm physically able to provide uh, to my client, and uh, hopefully within the deadline they aspire uh, in the best way I can. And, and, and if that means using digital, or if it's analog, or whatever it takes, it's really years, you know? And I also don't want to be caught behind a curve where uh, I'm not uh, in tune to what all other artists are starting to learn, you know? I have a 15-year-old daughter, uh, and, you know, she's doing some stuff on paper, but she loves drawing digital as well. So uh, it's, it is the way of the future. The only, the only reason the only reason comics today are behind the digital curve, because they are behind the digital curve when it comes to animation and professional and everything else, is because there's an original art market. If that original art market did not exist, I would see more and more artists saying, screw it, I'm going digital. You know? uh, and I'm talking about young artists, because you know, there they're, they're are older artists who are just like, this is what I do, and I don't want to learn a new thing. That's cool. Um, but, but that's the only reason why, why comic book artists still do uh, now, what are you doing for your personal experimentation and learning on this new platform? Obviously, you know, the first thing I saw you doing was you were mastering your line work, and you were posting it. And it's a very interesting uh, stream to watch or follow, and I think mostly on Twitter and following you. Yeah, I post it everywhere, you know. But what are you, what are you doing? So are you, are, you, are you trying new techniques? Are you getting the latest and greatest? How are, how are you approaching I'm this? I'm always, I'm, you know, I, I never used to hate my own work. Um, and, and now I'm able to get my own work, uh, just because I, I don't have, I, I never learned, I didn't have the patience to sit there and really try to learn, how to steady my hand and how to handle a brush. You know what, they're gonna hire an anchor. Let the anchor do it. <laughs> <laughs> He's gonna get it. Yeah, it's great. Uh, so so it's, it's allowed me to actually uh, be able to paint with a tool that feels comfortable. Uh, and it's allowed me to go back to painting, which I haven't done. I mean, yes, I've seen a lot, I've done a lot of stuff, personal stuff myself. Um, so it's allowed me to, 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 to go back to painting and, and, and without having to, you know, invest, you know, set of paints and, and, and everything else that I would need to do. It's just all there in one place. Um, but also part of the reason I like to, I like to uh, put this stuff out there is because I'm, and, and I learned this from having a child and my daughter. Uh, what, I, what I want to try to do, for, especially for young artists who, who are following, is try to demystify the process of art, right? Um, you know, perfect example of it. Where, where it sort of hit home was, I remember my daughter trying to, she was sitting next to me on an art table, and she was trying to draw what I was drawing, and getting really, really frustrated, and then walking away in anger. I'm like, what's the issue? And she's like, I can't do it like you do it. And I'm like, I've I, I been doing this since, it's just you were that small, right? And when I, I didn't draw anywhere near as well as you do, but it was hard for her to grasp it. And then, and then I immediately remember thinking about my own childhood and as I was trying to copy something from another, from another artist and not being able to get it and getting frustrated. 
but eventually worked through it and realized, you know what, I, I bet a lot of young artists see pros and think, why can't I do it? Why can't I get that line? What? So I try to demystify that process as much as possible. Say, you know what, a lot of this stuff is just filled with tricks and mirrors and, and, and 3D models and all this stuff that's out there. It's okay to use it. There's no sin in it. Because as a lot of art, professional artists do it, yes, we hear stories sometimes about, hey, did you know that, that this one particular genius artist can start drawing on the left-hand corner and finish an entire, just in one fell swoop, and we go, Wow, really? And then you realize that's completely under bullshit. <laughs> it's, it's, not, it's, not even, it's not at all how it happens. You hear a lot of these, you know, these myths about how certain people are just able to just do it, and then without really knowing all the work. And then I realized a lot of it also comes from the fact that people don't see the behind the scenes stuff, right? I just finished, literally about 10 minutes ago, I finally finished a Star Wars cover that I've been working like an hour at a time on. Um, and people will see the final product and go, oh, it's good or it sucks or one or the other, but. What they don't see is that, well, now it's a digital wastebasket. I have a digital wastebasket of maybe 30 or 40 rejected sketches or rejected anatomical turns or twists to a particular arm or to a short shoulder. It took me an hour just to work out this one shoulder position uh, just to get that one image. They'll see the final image and go, the artist will go, oh, why can't I get that, you know? Because that's the way I always, I think most artists are. So I, I post a lot of this stuff to try to help demystify that process and to show uh, show some of the magic tricks that happen behind the scenes. Uh, I even had artists got pissed off at me for sure. Like, why are you showing them that? Those are like, like because people need to learn this stuff. It's cool. It's a writing. If it, if it gets one kid past the point of frustration where they go, oh, okay, it's okay to screw up. It's okay to throw this piece of paper away. Which again, I have to go through with my daughter. I'm like, it's no good, just throw it out, start again, right? And until so you get it right, it's the only way you're going to get it right. Um, if I can get some artists, if, I, you know, if one kid continues going, that's kind of cool. Right? And what do you want to accomplish as a creator? Forget the publishing thing, forget the, you know, the creative. What do you want to accomplish as a creator that you're still pushing to get to? Complete and utter world domination. <laughs> no, I just, you know, I just want to, I want to do good work. I have a, I have a couple of things that are on my wish list of things that I want to do. One in particular, um, and I'm actually going to get to achieve it, but I can't say what it is here because it's, I, I can't announce it. But it's, it's it, there was one thing that's been on my wish list for a very long time, even before I was at Marvel. Um, and, uh, yeah, so I'm, I'm actually, that, that's, that's one, off the bucket list that uh, something that I really wanted to. And then that's Stuart wants. I just, you know, it's, it's something that I, uh, a skill that I've been sort of building up to. What's something else that's on your bucket list that you feel like aspirationally you still need to accomplish? Um, I have a, I have a book that I'm writing and drawing. Uh, again, it's all been piece I've been working on this now for five years, maybe six years. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's, uh, it's not a superhero story. Uh, it is sequential, uh, and it's really more of like a sort of kid's fantasy tale. Mm -hmm. uh, so it's really all ages thing, um, and it's it's funny because I, I it's actually drawn in my real style. Like people, people see my see my superhero stuff. My real style is really cartoony. It's very very cartoony. So it's actually drawn. This is like we just grow totally unmasked. This is me. Here it is, um, and eventually you know I'll finish it and get it out there. I mean I've got it pretty much all written. Because I don't draw until it's over. Uh, and um, 
that's one that then anxious to one day be able to sit down. I keep saying, yeah, you know, I'll have, I'll have some time to work on it next week. I say, I have a little bit of my schedule that close down and I got no time. So, uh, but I do hope to, to finish that someday. Now, one standard piece of advice, as we're running out of time here, one standard piece of advice. Many of these people who are aspiring careers that come here with the hopes of seeing you, maybe connecting with you. What advice could you give to the aspiring either writer or artist who is coming here with the hopes of seeing Joe Casada, maybe getting that elevator moment with you. What advice could you give the people who are here, and maybe some tra travel pretty far to get here? Um, there, 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 there's one that is obviously hard to start getting to this advice, but really it, it, it all comes down to mastery. It really does. You have to, whatever your chosen discipline is, whether you want to write, whether you want to draw, whether you want to color, um, you have to master your craft. And you cannot do that unless you do it, right? Writers have to write, artists have to draw. I'll break it down into, into hopefully a simple metaphor. I love baseball, love baseball. One be professional baseball player all my life. And to become, I'll, I'll, I'll bring that even more personally. My daughter's a bigger skater. And, and loves it with all her life. She's up at 4.30 every morning. She goes to the rink, she skates all morning long, then goes to school, does her homework, comes home, sometimes she skates again. Every day, six days a week, in the summertime, she skates eight hours a day. That's what she wants to do, right? So if you want to be a professional baseball player, uh, an Olympic skater, whatever it may be, you have to practice every day. You have to be the batting games every day. You have to field ground balls. Every day. It's the same thing with art. You cannot just assume that it just happens because you don't. It doesn't happen because you don't feel inspired today. I don't care if you're not inspired today. Pick up a pencil and draw something. I don't care if you're not inspired as a writer today, you're not feeling it. Get behind the keyboard and write something. It's it, it, especially on the days you're not feeling it. That's where it really happens. That's where you really have to push through. You know? Um, and then in contrast to that, uh, you also have to be forgiving of yourself. You have to understand that some days it's just not going to happen. You're not going to be at your best, and, and, and the drawing isn't going to rock, and the writing isn't going to rock. And, but you know, you're in a slump. You have to keep plowing through. You have to grind it out. It's the only way you're going to become. If you want to be a professional, if you just want to do it as a hobby, it's a whole other thing. But if you want to be a professional, it's the only way it's going to happen. Whether it's indie, Marvel, DC, anywhere. Was there ever a time that you, during your ascent, you know, coming up in 93, when you came in on uh, Ninjack uh, through the years, and you just thought, I'm done, thrown in the towel? Was there ever a dark time for you that you just felt like, I'm going to go do something else? No. And what, what was it that grounded you that said, that a lot of people think about throwing that? Why did you never think about quitting? I just, I just, I was surrounded by good people, right? I had like-minded friends, and, and I never had any doubt uh, about the fact that uh, I was going to, to, to make it in the industry. Um, and I also, you know, it, it's something that, uh, that Jimmy and I you know, agreed on. One, one of the key decisions that we had made 
was, you know, we had both worked on InCheck and Valiant. We had a relationship with Valiant, that sort of fell apart. And that's, that was the impetus for us to start Event Commons. I had been offered, prior to that, to be a second wave image guy, right? Like with Capullo and Jimmy, those guys, right? They were, the, they were the second wave guys. And they made a ton of money. Um, I had been offered to be part of that wave. Uh, and Jimmy and I discussed this, you know, I'm not gonna do it. Because at the end of the day, I will always be known as Jim's guy, Todd's guy. You know, it, 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 and even though, I've been so psyched with Greg and those guys, they have really good luck for themselves. But I, but I, you know, we talked about, let's carve our own path, let's just do it. So we started an independent company uh, in the worst time in the history of the comics, when it was, you know, to start a company. Um, but we did okay, you know, we did okay as a three-person company with a few books and a few characters. And, uh, I think those, this kind of decisions that we've both done during our lifetime, and, I, and a lot of successful creators, when you ask them about these decisions, it's when they, like, okay, you know, it's a clear path right here. I can make a lot of money, and some people take that path, and it's great, and it works for them. And for others, like, you know, I'm going to try this way. And it's that old adage, you know, the most successful people on the planet um, have failed more than more than you or I have ever attempted to do anything. Because it's the only way. Nobody, nobody, you know, it, it's a home run the first time. You just have to uh, take your chances and, and, and try to take the what path works for you. Path for, for me at that time, it was, you know, uh, one less child and a little riskier, but it was a belief in myself, Jimmy's belief in himself, and, and, uh, and, uh, kind of worked out. Kind of worked out. Yeah, it kind of worked out okay for you. So, looking into your crystal ball, where are you in 10 years? Yeah. Uh, I don't, I don't know. I honestly don't know. Um, I, I, it's, when, again, those early days of Marvel, you know, I, I, I used to I, I find, find some agent somewhere where I'd say, you know, I, I'm so tired of comics being in this sort of creative ghetto in the art world, right? People look at comics like, you know, it's just, you know, it's just, it's just crappy art. It's not, it's not real art. Um, and the hope was, you know, to someday be able to, to, to have great movies and, and, and have been considered great literature, which I think we were, we're at that point today. Um, I don't know. I don't know what I, I mean. I, I, all I know is that I want to, I want to continue telling stories uh, in some way, shape, or form. You know, one of the things, I, I love being chief creative officer. The, the, the difficult part with it is that I don't, I get to work with a lot of other people's creative stuff. And I get to, uh, to contribute to a lot of the stuff that we're doing as a creative but there's very little that I'm doing that is pure just me. It's just my stuff, you know? That's why I'm, that's why I'm working on that kids book. It sort of helps keep that side of the brain sane. So I, I'm thinking that maybe in 10 years, you know, I, I'll be doing something that's a little more, uh, I'm not saying even tomorrow, I'm just saying it's, it's, it could be a little more personal, it's sort of, sort of more me than, than me working with somebody other than the So um, we'll see, we'll see what happens, you know? It's, uh, Right now, I've got so much on my plate, it's hard to really think beyond. Uh, what time is it? <laughs> so we have time for one question. The question is, um, you know, we look back at, we say, Jack and Stan, right? We, we, we name them first name because their work is so intimate to us, and they have left a long path and a legacy. And there are people recording this today, recording every word that you say. And there's a, <laughs> there, is a, there is a rich fandom out there, and they're recording things. And 
do you want people to know about you and the legacy that you leave 25 years in the future, long after you're not active every day? Oh man, that, you're, 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 that requires me thinking a lot more about myself than I, you know, uh, than I, time that I would ever spend. Um, you know, I, I guess I'll say the same thing that I said when I started as a in chief. My sole goal is that when it's all said and done, at least my Marvel tenure, whether it's energy for chief or officer, my sole goal is to hopefully leave the characters in as good a shape as they were when I found them, and hopefully maybe better. If I can do that, if I can, if I if I do that, then that's cool because that's the job, right? That's the job. As much as we spin these characters' lives and, and unmarry Peter Parker and whatever you want to blame me for, right? which, by the way, was the right thing to do. <laughs> Characters are, you know, they're 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 still they're still here, right? And and they're they're still kind of cool and relevant. So, as far as my Marvel career, that's what I would hope. As far as my personal career, you know, as people say, you know, he, he, he spun a good story, told a good yarn. Uh, whether it was whether it was drawing, writing, or even just talking in a pen, and because uh, that, that seems to be all I've been doing my entire life is just sort of, you know, talking and keeping people engaged in something or other. Uh, and maybe spark the, the, the imagination here too, because when I look at somebody like Stan Lee, when I look at somebody like Jack Kirby, those guys, and I told Stan this, I saw him in Toronto this panel, and I, and I hugged him and I said to him, you saved my life, because, and, 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 and I said that in a really broad term, it's not like I was suicidal when I read Fantastic Four, I'm like, oh my God, I'm not gonna hang myself today. <laughs> it, was, it was, I don't know where my life would be if I hadn't read those original comics. I don't know if I would have understood that there was a road for a kid who spent his days, I was an old child, who spent his days in a, in a, in a room making up fantasy stories about, about, you know, sword fights and, and spaceships and stuff like that. I wouldn't have known there was a road for that. And reading Stan and reading Jack and, and Steve and all those guys, um, I said, oh, wow, there's a place. There's a place where people are doing this for a living, and it's kind of cool. Um, so, if there's a kid out there, you know, who someday says, yeah, you know, I read that, and it, and it gave me a, a spark, that's enough for me, you know. So. I can't think of a better place to stop and say thank you to Joe.